Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you all. How many of you all have kids who are now on summer break? And the craziness has begun. I can always tell when we're headed into summer and the first week we're on summer, it's kind of like all the energy just slows down and everybody goes into this rest and this break mode. It's very relaxing. So for parent, for kids, congratulations. For parents, hold on tight. You'll make it through. Don't worry. We'll make it. Uh, if y'all have been out, we've been uh, in a sermon series in 1 Corinthians in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. And things have, as they often do with us people, things have gone astray. Um, they've gone off. And this morning's scripture is no different than um, than that. So uh, we actually get kind of a tough message from Paul this morning as I was preparing this week. Uh, I kept wanting to have like an uplifting, positive kind of, you know, attaboy message. And I kept going back to the scripture and it's just not in the text this week. So... Um, I'm a little nervous about that, um, and I'll tell you more about that as we get in, but um, just a little heads up on that. Um, so the scripture this morning is uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if y'all will all stand with me and we will join uh, in reading it together. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. I pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures. You won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and to angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work warily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage like everybody's trash, 
right up to the present moment. This is the word of God. Please be seated. So, as you can see, not a lot of positive stuff in there. Um, as I prepared uh, for this morning, I kept, like I said, trying to go back to a more positive message and kept coming back to the reality of what Paul's actually talking about. Um, but I don't feel like I have put in the time and have the relational connection with all of you uh, to really call you to the mat like Paul's doing in the scripture. So uh, we're going to look at what that's like uh, when a mentor like Paul does this with a community. We're going to look at their relationship and their history and uh, what it's like to be the, the, the authority calling out uh, the, the followers and the disciples and what it's like to be as the follower and the disciple being called out. Um, so if you'll journey with me on that. I kept, uh, as I read through the scriptures and thought of what Paul is saying, um, at the end there you can tell there's uh, there's a tinge of kind of sarcasm. He's like, oh, you guys are so wise and so great and all this kind of stuff. Um, so that's really what's going on there. But as I went through this scripture time and time again, I kept going back um, to, to my relationship with my coach in high school because uh, it kind of felt like the Corinthians are doing something stupid and they know it, and Paul is calling them out on that. So I kept thinking of things that I had done uh, as an athlete in high school and, and ways my coach would call call me out on that. So um, journey with me, if you will, back into this relationship uh, with me and my coach. I, I, in high school, I played tennis and uh, kind of played tennis all growing up. And in tennis, most of the time, it's uh, there's tons of people around, but once you actually get onto the court, it is an individual sport. So it's just you out there with the opponent. So you're essentially all on your own. And it, and it, you're aware of that. You begin to feel that you're, you're kind of all on your own. And when you go out to compete, you've just got yourself. So you begin to rely on yourself and learn how to do that. But as you're being trained up and, and working at, at, as an athlete, you develop this relationship with your coach. And sometimes it's with the whole team, but a lot of times it's you and the coach out there on the court alone. And so, uh, I can remember showing up and you just, you've break, broken down the different, uh, parts of, of the game into different sets. So a lot of times we'd start at the net with warm up and just hitting, you know, small ground strokes. And as I was going through this message this week, I kept finding myself doing things like that and going through the motions, um, of what I would do as a tennis player. And so much of that is repetitive work and it's just ingrained into who you are and there's different moments and motions and you're at different points in the court and different points in the game and you're just time and time again grooving these swings and these movements uh, into your life so they just become ingrained. And that's a lot of what Paul has done with the disciples in Corinth. A lot of his followers, he has gone through different parts of the Christian faith. He's broken them down piece by piece. He's taking them, taking them through the motions and he's just kind of drilled this into them. So they're, they're totally accustomed to this. So, um, we know a lot of what's gone on between the Corinthians and Paul in their journey. Paul, as you know, has been on many missionary journeys and Corinth was certainly one of those places. Scholars believe he spent about 18 months, months in Corinth, uh, with the Corinthian church there. And he was, this was like person on person contact. This wasn't like me going to my, you know, 
tennis time every day after school for an hour. This was, you know, day in, day out, rubbing shoulders, living life, working together, probably staying in their houses, eating dinners with them, helping them through trials and struggles and all this kind of stuff. So Paul, they really had a lot of time together in that year and a half. They're really committed. They're really with one another. And he's really said there's life in it. And we see this relationship a lot uh, with with this coaching relationship often becomes more like a, almost like a parent-child relationship. You'll see this time and time again when you, you, you know, with my coach, we would travel to tournaments, you know, and so you'd be eating together and you'd be at the tennis site all day. So you're, you know, you could be spending 12 hours a day with your team and with your coach. So it's not just about the game. It's about sharing life. So Paul would have been sharing life uh, with these people. He would have known about, all that was going on. I, 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 one of the things I thought about was when I'd show up for practice and I'd be frustrated by something else that was going on in my life. It had nothing to do with tennis, but it was clearly affecting my play. And so finally my coach would just stop the lesson or the practice and say, you know, what's going on? You're not focused. You're hitting balls all over the place. And then it, it would be more of a coaching session, not on tennis, but on life. Um, so Paul, as you can imagine, he's sharing this journey with them. He's living life with them. It's even more uh, connected than a coach and their pupil. So, so that before we get to this letter, um, know that there is this 18 months and more of this very close connection um, where Paul has put in the time, in a sense, to earn the right to have this relationship, uh, to speak these things into the Corinthians' lives. So... Um, as we look at what it looks like from the mentor's side, one of the things I really want to highlight to, to you all this morning is this is not a, a broad-based permission for us to just go speaking things in other people's lives. Um, Paul has taken the time and he is an authority on this subject. And, and in the context of those things, he's speaking to the Corinthians. So uh, we were out at a movie the other day, my wife and I, and we saw a mom with uh, her three kids and she was pulling them aside and kind of had one of them by the, it was kind of hard to tell. It was either the neck or or the ear and she was kind of dragging them aside and she was disciplining her child. And, um, you know, they had been misbehaving and that kind of stuff. Um, but there's that awkward situation where you watch uh, a parent uh, addressing their child in public and they've kind of been off base and you know they've been on off base but it's still a little uncomfortable you know everybody kind of looks away um do you know what i'm talking about it kind of feels like that's going on in our chapter four to the corinthians it's like we're overhearing paul dress dress down his pupils from before and kind of call them out so um, that was the picture i had of this this mom with her kids at the movie theater where it's kind of a little awkward um, but I, I want to highlight a few things present in Paul's life. He is, he does have this history of relationship. Um, he has, in a sense, earned this responsibility to speak in their lives. Um, my, my brother likes to say, um, if you come to me uh, to give me feedback, or someone, I've, I've earned this right, but he says, if someone comes to me to give me feedback about my life, there should be no doubt whatsoever of the care that that person has to speak into my life. Um, so Paul can write them with this reality. He can come saying, 
okay, I think you're a little off here. And at no point are the Corinthians going to get defensive and say, who are you to speak to me? Because he's earned that right. Um, he has the relationship. They know that he cares for them and he's sacrificed for them. So before we step out to give that kind of feedback, always um, be at a place where we've more than sown that time and care and relationship and that that's evident and, and, and in the forefront. The second thing I want to highlight in the, the person like Paul who's doing the calling out is he's an authority in this area. Like this, we're not hearing from Paul on some kind of random topic where it's like, why are we hearing from Paul? He is, you know, he's an apostle of Christ, a servant of Jesus sent out into the world to do this. I mean, one of the scriptures I looked at for this morning was when, uh, after the Damascus road encounter with Jesus and Paul, God calls Ananias to go heal Paul of his, his blindness. And Ananias says, are you crazy? Like this guy has been killing Christians. Like, are you mad? And God says, no, I've called him you know, to preach to the Gentiles, their kings, and to the people of Israel. And and he, he also says he will suffer greatly for this. But um, there's this clear call on Paul's life, and he has this authority. He's lived a life. He's walked the walk. Like he says in verse 6, you know, I have embodied these things to you all. And, and you know, now you know I can be an example. And he Paul, so many times throughout his scriptures, used himself as an example. So make sure we're putting in the time we've earned the right, in a sense, with the relationship. So there is that trust when they hear from us. And then, two, that we are an authority on this topic. It's, you know, Paul doesn't come talking to him about stuff he doesn't know. He talks to him about Jesus Christ and him crucified, who he knows and lives and follows. And he's inviting them uh, to follow them in the same way that Paul's using an example of his own life. So he's not instructing him, you know, do as I say, not as I do. He's saying, you know, come and follow me. Um, so there's this this reality of these attributes of that. I I thought it was funny when I looked at different texts about Paul as a mentor. Um, Paul talks about fathers don't exasperate your children, and I thought about he's calling the Corinthians out with kind of a sharp tongue. And then in Philippians he says, the Lord uh, let your gentleness. Be evident to all the Lord is near. Um, and and in this time, he comes with kind of a sharp tongue for the Corinthians. It's kind of like that mom um, in the movies. But uh, but like I said, he does it where he's he's earned the right, in a sense, with his love and his time and his relationship. And then he's also an authority. So uh, what does this look like for us uh, when we're on the receiving end of that? When I was... Going through these drills in my head, I kept doing this stuff of different shots I would hit. And I thought about the progression I had with my, uh, my coach. And in the beginning, it would start with drills and he'd tell me what I was doing wrong in the drills. And then it got to where there was more, um, distance and I had matured and I was doing these things in matches. And when he'd come off the court, he'd bring up things that I had done wrong in matches. And then eventually, I would come off the court, and he wouldn't even have to tell me what I had done wrong. He would just say, tell me about the match. Break it down for me. And I could take him through the match. I would say, you know, I didn't come in on that short ball, or you know, I came into the net when I shouldn't have, or I, you know, I, I'm hitting to his strong side, not his weak side. I should have been serving him out wide. All these kinds of things. And I knew what I had done wrong. I still needed my coach to come and, you know, kind of hit me in the back of the head and say, hey, you know, think about it, that kind of thing. And, and I feel like there is that reality with Paul where he's kind of 
smacking him upside the head with a little reminder of, you guys, you know better than this. Um, so, uh, you know, what does this look like for us when we're on the receiving end of that? Um, I, I think in light of who the mentor is, you need to make sure you're hearing from someone who ha- has earned the right to do that uh, with their time and their love. And they are an authority in that area. Um, you know, we're not called to take this kind of stuff from strangers coming out of nowhere. But um, I kept coming back to this reality that Paul, at the, at the background of all this stuff with the relationship with the Corinthians, Paul is reminding us first and foremost of who we are. The, the big place that the Corinthians have missed it, and I see this so many times in my own life, when I get off in what I'm doing and how I'm living, so much of it goes back to identity. So much of it goes back to this core belief of who I am, of who God is, and more importantly, probably who God says that I am. And you can see in this passage where Paul's highlighting with his people that our actions don't define us. These are not the end all of how we measure ourselves. Um, there's also this reality um, behind this message that Paul still very much cares for his people. You know, his message stings, but he's bringing this because he cares. Like he's going out of his way to restore them back to who God's called them to be. Um, but I love how he starts with, uh, look, look at how you should think of us and refer to us and respond to us. He says, we are servants of Christ entrusted with the gospel. Throughout the scriptures, Paul identifies himself this way. In fact, in the beginning of Romans and Titus, Paul actually starts with this very line. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. And so many times he refers to himself as an apostle of the gospel. He's reminding them of who he is as an authority of these things. But in the same way, like in verse 6 where he says, I've lived these things out. He's reminding us. You are... Beloved children of God, set apart by his love, called to be servants of his. And this reality that Paul keeps coming back to with us and these people he writes to is this message of God's sacrifice, of God's overwhelming love, of the things that God calls us to, not of this world, not out of seeking to provide for ourselves, but in coming to him first. I thought it was really interesting that the place that Paul always begins with us is who God is and who God says we are. We talked about this some last week. God is loving Father and us as his beloved children. And this reality, this foundation of this, regardless of what we do or how we respond or how we choose to live, this foundation never changes. This is steady. This is secure. This is what Paul roots so much of this on. This identity and this peace of who God is and who he's calling us to be. As David says, everything we do should be in response to God's love. One of the authors I read read, writes about this reality that we always need to be reminded of things. He says, Rarely do I need to be taught new things, but very often I find I need to be reminded. So I read this passage this morning. I remember this reality 
that this truth of our identity as beloved children of God and who God is, is something I need to be reminded of daily. Behind the tough words and some of the stinging directives and the reminders for how the Corinthians have gone astray is a loving mentor who is reminding his beloved people who they are, how much God loves them, and what he has called them to do. I encourage you to think about the people in your life, just like Dinah said last week, who are you following and who's following you? As I read through this passage in preparation this week, I kept being reminded of the different mentors I've had that have walked me through the faith all these years. The ways they have poured time into me, the ways they have reminded me when I've gone astray, but the ways they always brought me back to the core foundation of who God is and who I am in him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we bless you for the gift of mentors that have gone before us. Of those who see things that we miss. Of those that are experts in the faith and take the time to go low in our presence. Father, thank you that you are always with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for the ways that you gently restore us and welcome us back to you. Father, we open ourselves to your light that you will shine even on the dark places of our lives. And we thank you, Father, for how this is always a journey filled with your love and grace. So, Father, we say come and speak into us those assurances of who you are and who we are in you. Amen.